Welcome to The Spin, coming to you live from Zoom from all across South Africa. How is everyone doing today? This is where you guys respond. <laughs> How's well, it Okay, I'll go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Conrad. That's, that's glad. Doing great. Yeah. Keeping busy. Keeping, Keeping productive. Busy. That's good. I think that's... Conrad. I'm doing very well. I'm mildly traumatized after watching a National Geographic uh, documentary that had camel spiders in it. Um, if you don't know what a camel spider is, uh, go, and have a, go and have a look at um, their faces on, on Google. Okay. Mongolia is <laughs> definitely off the bucket list now. So we've got quite a wide variety of things coming up today for, for today's podcast. We've got MJ taking us through the, the Ramaphosa's latest, the Corona cost, the, the Ramaphosa's announcements, and then the debt relief. I'm going to have a look at the difficulties in, or in, in ensuring that you, you, you buy the, the correct stock. Where Kino and I are going to have a bit of a, bit of a chat about oil. You might have heard that oil recently went negative. So Kino is going to take you through what that means. And I'm going to talk you through what Brent is, what crude is, and what the West Texas Intermediate is. Kino's also got a few other interesting tidbits to look at. And finally, we're going we're gonna to see what Donald Trump in all his wisdom had to say. All right, MJ, walk me through uh, what Ramaphosa had to say last night when he wasn't busy blinding himself with a mask. <laughs> yeah, that's already made uh, loads of memes on Twitter. It's amazing. But uh, yeah, as many of you know, he addressed the nation last night about the lockdown. So the lockdown is going to be eased from May, and he's going to be using a new five-level system. Um, so we're currently in level five, which is kind of the worst total nationwide lockdown. And we're going to be implementing level four from the beginning of May. As of Thursday, just to give you some stats to back all of this up. So as of Thursday, the 23rd, we had 3,953 confirmed cases of the coronavirus in SA with the death toll at 75. But unfortunately for me, and I guess Kino, the Western Cape now has the most cases of the virus, uh, recently overtaking Gauteng. The response to this virus. So what has the response been? So there was another talk earlier this week and there have been many announcements by the various ministers. But basically, $501, $501 billion is going to be used for relief. So out of this $501 billion, $130 billion rand is already going to be is already part of the budgeted expenditure. Sorry, um, MJ, you just said $501 billion. Is that $501 billion or $501 Sorry, billion rand? $501, $501 billion rands. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, as I said, 130 billion rands of this is just coming from the budget. Um, but the other 370 billion rand, kind of the unplanned portion, which makes up seven and a half, roughly 7.5% of our GDP, um, this amount is kind of the important figure. The sources of this, 41 billion rand of this is going to be financed from UIF surpluses, UIF being the Unemployment Insurance Fund. 200, 200 billion rand of this is going to be from a bank loan guarantee scheme between our reserve bank, the treasury and commercial banks. What's going to be happening there is our reserve bank will put up a portion of this capital and banks will do the rest through the money creation process. Then 70 billion rand of that is going to come from deferred tax payments. So this would just be the usual that and pay as you earn tax payments, but received a bit later than usual. Michael, could and I finally, just um, ask you a yes. question quickly? Um, do you know if, there are any financial instruments being sold on that debt that the commercial banks are, um, are using to support the, the, the Reserve Bank? 
Or is I the money machine just going to go through? Okay. No, because it, it would be interesting if that, if that kind of debt was sold on the, the open market to mm. um, institutions. It would be an interesting kind of um, conflict of interest there. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I think that, yeah. That, would, that would almost mirror the UK with the UK having sold the, the amount of bonds in the last three months that they were planning to sell throughout the entire year. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe yeah. the government could take a leaf out of their patch. Mm. That book yeah, definitely. And then the final portion of that is, well, basically, after we've subtracted all those figures, we've got a shortfall of 60 billion rand. So... Currently, we don't know exactly where that's going to come from, but some of the front runners are, so the BRICS New Development Bank and the IMF, they've already basically said to SA that we can access $5.2 billion of that from them. So that's about 90 billion rand. And if it's a loan from the IMF, it will have a rate of only 1% interest rate, that is. Um, and most importantly, no reform conditions attached to that loan. So the finance minister, Tito Mboweni, will be updating everybody on these plans in an updated budget. But one thing we know for sure though, is that our budget deficit is undoubtedly gonna increase from at 6.8% as it was touted to be in the budget in Feb to people as um, people analysts estimated to be approximately become 10%. And a budget deficit just yes, a massive increase. Just so mm-hmm. as Kina says, it's a big increase, but that almost means that, so the amount of money that the government's getting in is less than what they're planning to spend, so they're going to have to borrow mm. from somewhere else. So that's what a yeah, budget yeah. deficit is. So what else have you got from the MJ, or was that you? Done that's, that's basically a wrap. Oh, that's that's a wrap. Hopefully, it's a nice wrap. I like it. Short, short and sweet. Yeah, short and sweet. There we go. Yeah. Coming now, coming live from Zoom about Zoom. So recently, the video chat service Zoom has had an exponential growth in users. And so people are obviously seeing that there was an increase in users expected, an increase in Zoom's revenues. And so they wanted to buy share Zoom shares. But just to tell you that there, there's two different companies in the US called Zoom. One is Zoom, which is a video chat service. And the other one is called Zoom Technologies, which is a cell phone part company. So people seem to have gotten slightly confused between the two because over the last three months, the video chat service Zoom has gone up by 100%. Uh, so this, this is the one that people were expecting to, to have the increase in revenues and what they were trying to buy. But the cell phone part company, Zoom Technologies, which is a very small company, they went up 1,800%, meaning that you could have invested 10,000 rand three months ago and you'd have 180,000 rand now. Or you would have before people realized that that made a bit of a, a whoopsie and then sold it. If to our listeners, make sure that you're investing in the company that you want to invest in um, and not something that looks the same. Um, so now moving on to oil, the, you may recently have read that the oil was negative in price. So Kino is going to take you through what this means shortly. But before we have the deep dive into what a negative price means, I thought we'd have a look at you know, what what the West Texas Intermediate is, which is where the, the price went negative and how that relates to South Africa. The West Texas Intermediate and Brent crude are, are the, the two main sweet light crude oil benchmarks. Sweet light crude oil sounds like a type of wine. 
And uh, MJ, your, your parents sell wine. And what would a sweet, light crude oil taste like? Mm-hmm. So Brent is used to set the price of two-thirds of the world's internationally traded crude oil supplies. And light, sweet oil, which is the WTI, so the West Texas Intermediate Brent, used predominantly for the production of petrol. And so light means that there's low density in the oil, and sweet means that there is a low sulfur content. Yes, so Kino, tell me, what does a negative price in the West Texas Intermediate mean? Yeah, look, so um, fundamentally what has happened is basically um, lockdowns have done things like pause factories to close and stop people from traveling. So there's just been a massive decrease in the demand for oil. So the demand for oil will reduce by about 29 million barrels a day. So um, what does a negative oil price actually mean? That means that um, the benchmark price of oil was basically lower than the cost of production, transport, and storage. That latter part is very, very important. So not only production, but transport um, and storage. So how it basically works is um, when you buy oil through a futures contract, if that contract matures, you have to provide um, storage for that oil. So Just tell me what a, what a futures contract is, Kina. So a futures contract is basically just an agreement between you and um, the, the, the basically regulatory body that sells oil to buy a certain quantity of barrels of oil, actual physical barrels of oil. At um, some point in the if, future. At, at some point in the future. And if you hold on to that contract and the contract matures, you actually have to um, take delivery of that contract, which means you actually have to find a place to store those barrels of oil. Um, so basically what has happened is there was a massive shortage um, in oil storage. Uh, what happened is that um, storage capacity on land filled up quickly. So many oil importing countries have actually store, stockpiled massive quantities of oil, taking advantage of cheap prices um, that, that will not last. There's a massive shortfall in the storage for oil because um, a lot of people have been stockpiling oil due to, to the low price of it. So basically what you guys need to practically know is that the reason why the price of oil is low is not only because of the low demand and because basically the benchmark price is lower than the cost of production, but it's lower than the cost of production plus the cost of transport and storage. So, so that's basically the kicker when it comes to the negative oil price. All right, thank you. And now you've got something for me about China, I hear. Yeah, sure. Um, so as I mentioned before, I'm kind of the, the go-to gaming guy um, in, in this podcast. I'm a big fan of esports and gaming. Yeah. Um, I just finished watching the League of Legends um, Chinese playoffs. So um, basically what's happened is that um, China is looking to ban international online gaming. Um, and basically what's happened is, okay, I don't want to get too into the politics of things, especially when you talk about Chinese politics, you're walking a thin line. And I don't, I don't want to um, be found as a shadow of my former self tomorrow. But basically what has happened is that um, extremely popular game, Animal Crossing, people have been using the game um, to kind of, you know, um, politically revolt and, you know, support the Hong Kong protests. So they've been using that game as a kind of a platform to, to satirize the Chinese Communist Party and the Communist Party is having um, none of it. So basically what China wants to do is um, ban Chinese players from playing with um, international players. What they also want to do is what they want to force um, every Chinese um, online player to use their own actual real name instead of a username. Um, and yeah, so they want to ban worldwide servers to, to keep Chinese players from interacting with other players in foreign countries. 
So um, let's, let's just talk about what this means for the Chinese gaming industry, right? So, so in the Chinese gaming industry, we have two major players, right? We have mobile games, which are by and large, the biggest ones are made by Tencent. Um, and then we have the esports side, which is PC games, notably League of Legends, which is made by Riot Games, which is owned um, by Tencent. So look, guys, it's going to be shocking when I say this, but this ban of, of international um, servers is likely to do next to nothing for the industry. So the highest sales when it comes to the industry is made from in-game purchases for Tencent published mobile games. A mobile will, will basically be unaffected by this, you know, because these mobile games, they're made in China. They feature Chinese players and Chinese servers, you know. Um, they aren't really being played by um, international audiences, you know. These Chinese mobile games um, are developed, you know, for the Chinese population and the Chinese um, culture. Um, and now let's talk about the esports side, right? So... Um, there's something called ping. So basically, ping is, is, is how long it takes for data to be transmitted from your computer to um, the server where the game is hosted, right? Um, yeah. And basically, what we want in a competitive environment is to reduce this ping as much as possible. So we have these things called local servers, right? So basically, um, if I'm in China, I want to connect to a local Chinese server, um, to make that distance as short as possible, to have the best performance as possible. And basically with any competitive title, you are already, you are playing in a local server, right? You aren't playing in a national, in an international server. And that's the case with um, League of Legends, the most popular Chinese esport as well, right? There's a Chinese server where the Chinese professionals play. Um, and, you know, nobody wants to play on an international server because you'll have bad ping. So on the outset, it kind of it's, it sounds scary, you know, like there's, no, there's, there's going to be no um, international play. But guys, that's, that's already what happens, right? If you are living in Europe, you aren't connecting to a Chinese or Korean server because the ping is going to be atrocious, you know? So um, the most popular Tencent um, game, League of Legends, you know, already has this localized server. So it's, it's not going to have an effect there. Uh, when you look at the kind of esports um, economy, which has been really massively supported by the Chinese government, you know, there are a lot of initiatives that have pumped money into esports. Um, you know, initiatives such as organizations get more money if they, if they make their name um, a Chinese geographical place um, in the name. You know, um, those things are still going. And, you know, that's not going to be affected at all at this bad because there's no such thing um, as an as an online international tournament anymore um, in 2020. Whenever there's an, on, whenever there's an international tournament, um, that tournament is actually taking place at a geographical location. So for example, the League of Legends World Championship, people meet in a physical destination to play each other, you know, when, in, when it's an international tournament. And that's because of the ping that I mentioned, right? So um, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing, you know, at its outset, it's, you know, people will be panicking and thinking, oh, what's it gonna do to the Chinese gaming industry? Um, I would say next to nothing um, based on, on those two factors, you know. Okay, um, just, just to take it back to, back to our listeners. So Tencent is a company uh, which, which they, the Naspers and, and or their spin-off process own a large percentage of. So when you invest in process, you are in essence also investing in Tencent, which is why we, we were talking about the effect of, the, of this change in the gaming regulations in China. Which, uh, which heavily affects, or as Kino says, doesn't really affect Tencent. Um, so, you know, just bring it, bring it home for our listeners a little bit. Yeah, yeah. so basically um, the gaming portfolio part of Tencent is a massive part of the revenue. And um, gaming, especially mobile gaming, is very entrenched in, in you know, Chinese culture. Um, that's just for some context. 
And then, you know, um, going forward, um, a, a few weeks ago, I spoke about something called Project A, which was a, um, a new title being developed by Riot Games. Um, just to contextualize this again, Riot Games is another company owned by Tencent, and, and they are the publishers of League of Legends, which I spoke about. Um, Project A, as I, I spoke about a few weeks ago, is an entity into the competitive shooter market, which is designed as a direct competitor to um, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, which is, you know, it has the, the, the lion's market share. Um, that game has since been, uh, you know, revealed. It's called Validant. It's being... It's being received extremely well by the competitive environment, by the competitive community. It's getting, you know, great reviews. Um, it has started an initiative where to get um, into the testing phase of the game, you have to watch a stream of it on Twitch. So it's become the, the largest watch game on Twitch by far. So it looks like it's going to be very really successful. And it's actually really cool to see that development from us talking about, you know, the conceptual phase of the game to now become a reality. So that's really interesting. Um, and is there a release date on the game? Well, so now what they, what they have is they have an open beta and they're actually having a unique approach where basically the game will, will be released when it's ready. Um, so the beta, you know, there's, the game will be released a few months after the beta is closed, but there's no kind of um, end date to the beta now. You know, okay. um, with Corona um, and people working from home, um, they will release the game when it's ready. Yeah. Which, which people actually prefer. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, so um, Kino, have you got anything else for me? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about um, a, a Corona, well, a very, you know, hotly debated Corona drug. I put Corona drug in inverted commas called um, hydroxychloroquine. Um, so basically, let, let's talk about this drug, right? So the use of this drug has been really divisive in the, middle, the medical community, right? The Trump administration um, has recommended that this drug is kind of a preventative measure for... Um, health professionals working with the virus, right? They're saying that it can stop the spread, you know, of, of the virus. But it's, 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 it's faced a lot of backlash, you know. Um, it has massive side effects that can include cardiac arrest. So there aren't a lot of believers in this drug, but at the same time, um, the Trump administration is starting it as what could be very important for medical professionals. So um, what has happened with, hydro with hydroxychloroquine is that um, one of the world's biggest manufacturers of it has accused Chinese factories of, of, of price gouging um, the most important ingredients of this drug, which has been promoted by the Trump administration. So um, India is the largest producer of this drug. Um, you know, Trump has described it as a quote-unquote game-changer in the hunt for COVID-19 treatment. As I said, it's faced some backlash on the medical community. Um, and, you know, India relies on raw materials from China to produce the drug, right? Um, and um, coming from um, Chinese representatives, you know, they, they've said that there's been a multiple increase um, in the demand for these raw materials. You know, they've gain, gone up 10, 20 fold. Um, and the um, director of the drug maker from a company called um, Cadilla has said that the company's existing contracts with Chinese suppliers have not been honored um, in terms of which they were signed. So, you know, these, the, the, the Chinese companies selling these raw materials are kind of taking advantage of this increase in demand the price, right? So they're basically saying that you need to buy these raw materials from us, you have this contract, but basically what are you going to do if we increase the price um, of, these, of these raw materials? Um, so in some cases they are saying that um, they don't have the material, but um, to get the material from 
the source yeah. get them five times or ten times more to get the material right so they're saying we don't have it but if you pay us ten times more it's going to magically materialize right so it's, it's really not an ideal situation um, and it's you know it's, it's sad to see something like this happening um, when it comes to this drug and definitely definitely it's people's lives that, that they're playing with um, and you're just just continuing with uh, Donald Trump in his in his medical knowledge I read a, a BBC yeah, so, article. So, so Conrad yes. sorry to interrupt you but I think what you're gonna talk about is actually about this very drug I think I think what you're talking about is actually about hydroxychloroquine. really okay um, I think so 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 Donald Trump suggested yesterday or yesterday in, in American time that that this American should look at injecting disinfectants into themselves or hitting the body with a tremendous amount of light and heat. Um, <laughs> so the heat, you know, maybe maybe there's something there, you know, the body chucks itself into a fever if, if, it, um, if it's a bit sick. But yeah, I, I don't think that injecting disinfectants is, is the best idea. And if you want a tremendous amount of light, you know, maybe there's the saunas or the, the, um, the, the fake tan parlors. They might I would say just chuck yourself into a microwave. I would say that would be the solution, you know? Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, think, I think industrial size oven and microwaves might mm. see an increase in demand. <laughs> see, imagine just, increasing demand by microwave stocks, guys. That's <laughs> our recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not our recommendation. <laughs> Um, just, just to be clear here, this isn't a thing that can or should be done, and this is this has been uh, reiterated by several doctors and pulmonologists. You know, reminding all our listeners to double check and verify information that they read or hear. So I think that's that's us for today. Um, no, look, I, I just have one more thing to add quickly, Conrad. Before we before we yeah, start. sure, go for it. Um, talking about Corona and Corona drugs, so um. There's been a potential drug called um, Remdesivir, which has been produced by a pharmaceutical company called um, Gilead. So it's a potential anti antiviral drug to, to, to treat coronavirus, and there's been a lot of hype around it. Um, but it's, it's unfortunately flopped in its first randomized clinical trial. This really disappointed um, scientists and, and investors alike who had really high hopes for it. Um, yes, I think it's definitely yeah. going to be quite a while before we find you know, that, that miracle drug. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not going to talk about it too much, but yeah, the, the, the trial flopped and basically the drug did not improve patients' conditions or reduce the pathogen's presence in the bloodstream. Um, and what happened was the, they, they, they halted the trading of the stock when, when these results came out to prevent the stock from tanking. There was just a little something, you know, on the development of, of, of you know, cures, inverted commas, for, for the coronavirus. Yes. Okay. All right, guys, thank you very much for joining me today. You can now all go back to the TV and or bed and or series um, and, and gaming. And or esports, go back, go back to esports. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. <laughs>